Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thursday, August 6th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes, our tribe beat writer. Hoynes, the, uh, the Indians made an announcement. They, they made some roster moves. Delano DeShields is finally going to make his, uh, his debut, I guess, in the clubhouse. Who knows if he's, when he'll get on the field. But uh, after coming back from a, a COVID-19 positive test at, at the outset of camp, not being able to train with the club, uh, Delano DeShields finally going to to be able to to be around his teammates and, and hopefully have some sort of impact on this roster. Yeah, just what they need is another outfielder, Joe. They, <laughs> they can't they don't have enough at bats for the for for the guys they have, but at least they kind of cleared some space. And I'm I don't mean that uh as a as a knock on Daniel Johnson or Greg Allen, but those two guys were sent down, uh optioned and um and also Christian Arroyo was DFA'd. We haven't seen Christian was A-W-O-L. We, we haven't seen him since the, the opener. So I guess he kind of knew that was coming. Right. He hadn't played since the, the opening series, and really he hadn't even gotten an at-bat this year. He'd only played in the field for an inning uh, at, at one point. Uh, this was a guy who uh, had, uh, a, you know, not a, not a terrible summer training camp, but, um, you know, the, the Indians were able to keep him on the roster because it was a 30-man roster and you kept Chang, you kept Arroyo, and you kept Mike Freeman. You were going to keep Freeman in it. anyways. Uh, it really, this is, this is more about you, Chang, and, and what, what, they, what they sort of see in him or what they like in him, right? Yeah, I guess so. You know, Chang, you know, had the great uh, summer camp, hit four or five home runs. Uh, but we haven't seen him, Joe. I mean, if you're gonna, if you like this guy, when are you gonna give him a chance to play? Uh, you know, so and and I I I, I understand that you know the the regulars are struggling. So you know, where do you play this guy? Don't you got to get your 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 uh, regular players, your starters, uh, you know, kind of a lot of at bats and try to get them going before you go to the bench. But it would be nice to see Yu Chang uh, get a couple at bats here. I think you might uh, you might see an, an instance where you get him in there at either at second or third base, uh, and, and DH somebody uh, again as as uh, Terry Francona was trying to do you know before he stepped away from the club. Uh, we still don't have an update on Tito uh, either as far as when he'll be back, uh, but the hope is that maybe by the time they're uh, through with a, a trip to Chicago at the end of this week, he'll be he'll be back with the club maybe before that. So uh, who knows. But yeah, I yeah. would think I would think they 
give him that trip off to Chicago, the weekend trip. Then you come back, but it's you're, you're home for, what, four days, and you're playing the Cubs, two of them, and then you're off again uh, to a Detroit and Pittsburgh. So Right. Those, those two off days sort of make it, make it, make it convenient to, to give Tito that much more time. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, the Indians again last night, uh, they retained the cup. Hoinsey, very important, uh, very important to note that for the sixth consecutive year, the Indians retained the Ohio cup against the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, that means absolutely nothing to anybody, right? I just, I think Jensen Lewis is the only guy who really cares about that cup, right? Yeah, yeah Jensen uh, was born in Cincinnati, right? So this is a, this is a big thing for him. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah, so they retain the cup by making it so, by winning at least two games of the series, uh, the four game series. So it's a push. So the the cup doesn't go anywhere. Uh, you know, those the soccer rules or whatever that is. Yeah, but uh, Joe, Joe, a long time ago, they won the cup. They had this huge cup, and I, I'm not sure if it was a travel, if it was a cup or, or you know how it was set up. But it was at the old stadium. It was they, they had the cup displayed in the uh, you know as you walked in, as you walked into the into the front offices, and somebody stole it. They could never find it. They could never find that copy of the cup. So they don't so know. They had to make a new one and walked away, but, or something. But I think they're still looking for that one. Wow. So they, they had to make a new one. That's, uh, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. The, the Reds pitching staff has, has looked pretty good against the Indians, but any pitching staff right now would look pretty good against the, uh, the Indians hitters. The offense is still struggling. Uh, Fran Reyes hit the big home run in Cincinnati on Tuesday, uh, then took an 0 for 4 on Wednesday night. Uh, Carlos Santana had uh, a hit yesterday but but really is, is sort of struggling uh actually no I think he, he walked uh yeah, he walked he reached on a walk he reached yeah. on a walk but Francisco Lindor had a hit you know it, it the offense is still ugly right now oh it is at least they Joe in in their last trip that six game trip uh through uh Minneapolis and Cincinnati they had three hits in with runners in scoring position last night in in the fifth inning they had two hits with runners in scoring wow. position. So maybe that's that's progress. Maybe that that's, means something is bubbling underneath the surface that we can't see. It's it's shaking loose. And uh, one of those hits, uh, actually, it wasn't even a hit. It was a fielder's choice uh, uh, off the bat of Jose Ramirez. Uh, squibbed it up the middle. Uh, they tried to the, – the Reds tried to turn a double play, and Oscar Mercado, who was on second base, just kept coming. He uh, he he burned around third and and scored on a dive, uh, gave the Indians an insurance run, uh, put them up two nothing there. Uh, the, the play by Mercado was, I guess, a heads up play. Sandy Alomar didn't seem to like it very much though. No, Sandy was. Uh, I think it, it's lucky uh, Oscar was safe. Let's just put it that way because I don't think Sandy was pleased with the overall judgment on that play. Uh, let's hear from Oscar Mercado in the post game. These are his remarks about that play, and, and about what went into his th- thought process to, to to score from second base on a fielder's choice ground ball up the middle. I honestly, as soon as I saw Hosey hit it, I figured, you know, he's fast. He's probably going to force uh, them to speed it up. So um, about three fourths of the way to third, I made up my mind that I was going to keep going. Um, you know. I, I didn't expect them to not go for it, so made made that all a little more risky, but 
um, once I made up my mind, I was going for it. I, I was doing it. Um, I think in, especially with, um, in the game of baseball, sometimes you got to take some chances. Um, you know, the way, the way kind of things are going for us right now. Um, you just, sometimes you just got to uh, manufacture runs, uh, whichever way possible. And, um, you know, I took a risk and, uh, Thankfully, it paid off. As you're on the base paths, you kind of mentioned it. Is that something that's in the back of your mind that, that you guys got to generate runs however you can right now until the bats get going? Yeah. Um, not just now, but always. Um, it's a part of my game. I'm always trying to force things. Um, be smart, but at the same time, being aggressive. Um, I, know, I, know, I know the guys that are hitting behind me, the top of the lineup are um, all really good hitters. And, you know, um, in any way possible, they're going to put the ball in play and uh, have a good at bad. So, um, and on the base, base path, I usually just like to take a chance sometimes and try to make things happen. And, um, but yeah, that's just kind of my mentality. I've always been aggressive since I was little, and um, that's kind of the way I'm going to keep playing the game. Oscar, do you – I know you had your mind made up. Do you even are you even looking at the third base coach then when you're making that decision? Do you say anything, um, especially since it's his first game? No, um, I I played I played with Manzo um, in AAA and he's incredible and you know he he gave me this but it was just kind of those things where I I, I just kind of blacked out and went for it. Um, you know, if I, if I get thrown out there, I have every reason to get chewed out and. Um, not known not to do that again, but, um, and it, you know, probably wasn't, to be honest, it probably wasn't the smartest of plays. And, uh, but like I said, um, it worked out. It worked out. So Oscar, you felt they were going to go for the double play then, right? Yeah. Um, I just, I figured Posey running really fast guy. They're going to try to, you know, maybe maybe second baseman's going to try to force something, um, and he's got to know he's got to know this situation. Um, we already were up a run, so trying to manufacture another run. I felt like um, at the time wasn't a bad idea. Okay, Hoinsy. So it sounds like Mercado just sort of went for it. Uh, you know, it, it, when the offense is struggling the way that it is. Uh, you, you got to make things happen. You got to take risks and you got to take chances on the bases. And that's really what, what happened. Yeah, it was, it was really a heads up play. It was a guts play. It was a play where you kind of throw caution to the wind and just go for it. You know, speed is a big part of Mercado's game and it was on display there. And, you know, he's hitting 121 as well. So I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's looking for some way to help the ball club, you know, besides uh, playing center field. And that was it. And it was, it turned out to be a huge, huge play. I thought, you know, it gave the pitchers a little room to relax and uh, you know, the, the, the Reds were never, you know, never a factor after that. Right. Uh, and the reason they weren't a factor after that, uh, part of the reason why is the, uh, the effectiveness of the Indians bullpen. Uh, we'll get to Mike Clevenger in a minute, but just uh, the way the bullpen has pitched over the last week or so, really there's been, there've been no, no chinks in the armor. Uh, you know, at all when you go to uh, Oliver Perez, James Karinczak, and then Brad Hand. Uh, really, since Hand sort of had that that one scuffle about a week and a half ago, uh, it, it's been in lockdown ever since then. Yeah, you know, he had like five days off, Joe, 
and uh, they brought him back. He's saved back-to-back games against the Reds here uh, Tuesday and Wednesday night. I think he's four for four in save situations. He had that rough, one rough uh, outing in the in the scoreless game in the tenth inning against the White Sox. But uh, other than that, uh, it looks like he's recovered. And you know, all bullpens start with the closer, and they work their way back out. You know, the other. And uh, so if 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 Hand is 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 has recovered his stuff, then you've got Karinchak and Whitgren, you know, kind of sharing that setup role. And uh, you know, uh, you've got Oliver Perez, who's been you know a revelation, really. I mean, the three batter rule has not affected him. He's you know, I don't think he's allowed to run yet, and uh, he's worked an inning each. I think pretty much an inning every time out. Mm-hmm. You know, Simber has been you know up and down a little bit, but he's been okay. So you've got. They've got the makings of a, of a good bullpen. And I thought, you know, to me, my opinion was the bullpen might be a weak spot this year. Right. That was really a, a commonly held opinion was that it, it, the Indians were going to maybe struggle after, beyond their starters. Well, their starters have been going so deep into ball games, the, uh, the bullpen really hasn't been all that taxed. So also another uh, good thing, uh, Carl Willis uh, spoke about a couple of days ago about how when your your starters are handing the ball off to the bullpen in the seventh eighth inning as opposed to the uh, fifth sixth inning, it it really helps the guys you know stay on track, go out there, get the outs that are in front of them, and get get out of there. Uh, as far as uh, Karinchak goes, we're really seeing him sort of develop into that role that that the Indians kind of had hoped he and Emmanuel Class A would would share this year would be that that setup role is coming in and and getting strikeouts in, in critical situations where they needed him. We saw that with him against Nick Castellanos uh, on, on Tuesday, and then he, he came back and had a, a big inning against uh, Joey Votto and, and Castellanos uh, again on Wednesday night. Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, great curveball, big, big uh, you know, 95 to 97-mile-an-hour fastball, and uh, – you could tell he's excited. He's kind of pumped up. He's he's kind of made for that role. Looks like you know, kind of high energy. He's got some adrenaline going. I think his teammates love to watch him pitch. You've got the wild thing and all that stuff going on, and uh, it's exciting when he comes into a game. And uh, it looks like his control is getting better, Joe. You mm-hmm. know, from reading your story uh, this morning on Cleveland.com, um, you know, it's, it was interesting to me that they don't have him really work on his curveball on flat ground it's uh he's thrown it off the mound well why don't you get into that a little? yeah and and that's something like his his routines and he was notorious before he joined the, the big league roster for having weird routines and we were sitting there I remember in September last year and we looked out in the bullpen it was the first or second inning of a game and, and he was out there moving around and and getting on the mound not necessarily throwing but he was he was sort of going through some some delivery drills and uh, stretching out. And he had this this routine that stretched into the pregame or into the, in the beginning of the game. And we all kind of looked at each other like, who's out there warming up in the first inning when, when like Bieber or Clevenger was on the mound? So it didn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but his routine is very much a part of what makes him, you know, who he is. And Carl Willis talked about adjusting his routine a little bit instead of having him warm up uh, – pitching curveballs on flat ground they, they put him on the mound they let him touch the mound and uh it, it says it changes the the way his 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 tilt is when he's pitching down that slope and and how he can he willis said 
how he wants to rip the fastball or, or I'm sorry, rip the curveball. Uh, it just feels differently and it gets him in a, a better place. And you, you saw that it, it helped his command uh, the last two nights out. Uh, he's been pretty spot on. Uh, he did give up the, uh, the base hit to, to Castellanos, but that was on a fastball. <laughs> he had thrown Castellanos, what, seven consecutive curveballs, yeah. And the one fastball he sees, he hits in the right field. And, uh, again, when you talk about his stuff, it's gaining a reputation around the league. Every time he pitches, uh, people are putting up videos of his curveballs, and and he's it's developing a, a sort of a, a mythology of its own right now. Yeah, and, and anytime uh, you can hold Cassianos to a single, you keep him in the ballpark. You're, it's you know it's a win-win. I think you're doing your job right now. Right, he's one of the hottest hitters in the. He's one of the hottest hitters in baseball, and he wants to be the uh, the NL MVP. He's already said that, so very interesting. Uh, so the the pitcher that handed the ball off to the bullpen last night, Mike Clevenger, also seemed to be uh, maybe figuring some things out, figure, figuring some things out physically uh, last night. This is what Clevenger had to say after his uh, team came through and picked up a two nothing victory. I mean, it's it's definitely better. I think each time out there is building a building a little more endurance, staying stable for longer each time. And uh, we, uh, we revamped my whole in-between start routine. There's a, basically a workout I have to do every single day before I even do my workout or before I pitch now, but it's all based around getting a knee stabilized, working on little muscles and the glutes, the hamstrings, all the subsidiary muscles around everything. Did you feel like that helped you? I mean, you had a short first inning tonight, but. Do you feel like that helped you get more in a groove as the game went along tonight? Yeah, I feel like that just keeps me way more rhythmic. It gets me right back into my rhythm where it's not my knee giving out and me like falling forward trying to figure out what's going on with my mechanics. And it's really, I mean, it was a lot better. There's a lot more stabilization going on in my block leg. Yeah, at the moment. Go ahead, Tom. Hey, Clive, what kind of a lift does it give you guys when you see Oscar make a base running play like that? He took a gamble and it paid off. Oh, I mean, that, that gets your juices going again. I mean, that's huge. And it's just, I'll sit there right in the dugout and watch them just head down, just chucking in. He, he never second-guessed it. And that's uh, you just seeing that and then it paying off. I mean, you know, bodes well for everybody's confidence. You had a Matt, I want to say the fourth inning, uh, when you had the situation with Votto, you got behind an account. You had a base open. Suarez is ready. You got the out, and it looked like he said something to Suarez. Was that – I don't want to say you're pitching around him, but what was the game plan that went in with that? I just wasn't going to – I was going to make sure – if you were ever going to nibble or nitpick, I mean, that's the time of the game the person do it to. I mean, I had a righty on deck. And, uh, I mean, especially – Votto's probably already thinking I'm going to pitch around him. No, I wasn't going to pitch around him. I was still going to attack him, but I was going to attack him with some of my best stuff. And I wasn't going to leave anything over the heart of the plate. So, I think the plan went, went well there. You, you see those situations happen in a lot of games. And, and what you were trying to do, it worked. But you see a guy make a mistake. How important is it to zone in not to make the mistake that you don't want to make? Yeah, I mean, that's when you really, really, you know, buy into that first base open mentality. And you never want to have that. But that's when you got to, you know, really understand you got to put your ego aside. These are other big leaguers out here. And that's a very established big leaguer. And egos last when it comes to this, this game you really want to win. Did you hear Bauer chirping at you? Yeah, yeah, top step, and he's not wearing a mask and shit, so make sure you put that on the books. But <laughs> Oh, he was yelling at me. I got him, too. Okay. Because he was yelling the whole game, talking about me struggling, watching my – talking about my knee and shit, so <laughs> I got to give him back. 
Clive, did you did you add a new pitch at some point or like what was you throwing something eighty eight or eighty nine? Uh, seems like a, a misfired fastball is all. I don't know. <laughs> Keeping that cat in the bag as long as possible. Cutter? Oh, maybe. Maybe. It kind of has a mind of its own, that pitch by itself, but it's definitely a fun fun one to throw. <laughs> is there a teammate in the rotation who maybe was toying with something similar that one of you picked up on? Or? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's low-key kind of a get-out-of-jail-free card when you got, like, you know, get some good secondary stuff. So watching it with every single starter <laughs> have one besides me was kind of a telltale that maybe you need to work on something in the – I think between starts, that was first go-around, so should get better from here. All right, so Clev's, I guess, figuring some things out, uh, getting, getting things adjusted with uh, his, his knee and, and sort of starting to feel better. Uh, still, still walked, what, five guys last night? So Yeah, I think, he, you know, uh, it was interesting to hear, uh, you know, the difference between managers, you know, uh, Sandy and, and, and uh, Francona. You know, I don't think Francona would have ever said, well, we want him – to go out and pitch backwards, you know, and I think, and Sandy just came out and said that, you know, that that's what, that was kind of the game plan, you know, so, but, and it kind of worked. And I don't know if, if, uh, if, uh, if uh, Clevenger, you know, he said he was uh, kind of, you know, danced around the subject, they'd thrown in a new pitch, uh, maybe a cut fastball, and maybe that attributed to the walks, you know, if he, right. you know, he, he said, and he threw a lot of breaking balls. So maybe that had, had something to do with the walks. His and, his but fastball. Said, I think he's gaining gaining more control, gaining more confidence with his knee. Right, the confidence is there definitely. His uh, his fastball command is still not what it was. You can you can just see uh, his four seam fastball. You can see by watching on on uh, on, on TV where he's missing and when he's missing. Those were pitches that he was getting uh, consistently last year, and he's just not there yet. Uh, and and. Whether that just is going to take a couple more starts and, and you're going to see him take off from there, uh, you know, who knows. But uh, right now, if, if he can give them five and two-thirds every time out, if he can give them six innings, you know, that's, that, that's good enough and it should be good enough uh, against the, the schedule coming up as the, the Indians face the, a, a depleted White Sox team, as you and I were just talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, the White Sox are, are coming – or we're, the Indians are going there and the White Sox have a bunch of guys on the on the injured list as as we head into that series. Yeah, I, I, you know their rookie uh, infielder uh, Nick Madrigal is uh, is out with a uh, separated left shoulder. Uh, uh, Edwin Encarnacion left last night's game with a uh, sore left shoulder, and uh, Tim Anderson, who just killed the Indians during right. their first uh, series, is on is on the DL uh, on the IL, I should say, with the growing problem uh, Carlos and a couple pitchers Carlos Rodon and Ronaldo Lopez are also injured and uh, won't be playing in that series won't be uh, pitching in that series and and the Indians you know help might be on the way uh, at some point soon with uh, Tyler Naquin being close to, to being able to get back hopefully uh, by the end of this week or maybe early next week uh, they might give him a couple of days who, who knows that the schedule gets weird with a, with two off days in, in, in four days next week uh, wrapped around a, a Cubs series here at the ballpark. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe Tyler Naquin, he was tearing uh, the cover off the ball in, in summer camp. 
Uh, maybe he comes in and, and injects some life into the, uh, the Indians outfield. Uh, wonder where that's going to, you know, put the roster when, when they got to make room for, for Naquin, you gotta, you gotta be worried if you're Domingo Santana or somebody like that. Uh, but as far as the way that the roster is constructed right now, uh, you know, what else can the Indians do at this point? Right. You know, Joe, I think they, they've got to find some consistent at bats for, especially in the outfield. You know, last night was the, was only the second time in, in, in 13 games only that they played the same outfield same on outfield consecutive plays. games. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, and I understand what they're doing. They're, they're, they're looking for the hot hand. They've got six or five guys that they usually play every day. And now you're trying to fill the, the bottom of that lineup with, uh, you know, some, somebody who's swinging a bat and, you, and they're searching, you know, you've got, you've got, you've got to play Leon or, or Taylor at catcher. And, and, you know, they're there, they're there for defense, not for offense. So that gives you three spots that you've got to try to, you know, manipulate. And so far they haven't found anybody, but I think if you, if you just, if they, you know, maybe Nate, when Naquin gets back, you, you know, they, they have confidence in him, you stick him in right field and just let him play. Yeah. And, and Naquin's a guy who, you know, doesn't really matter lefties or righties. He can, he can hit lefties. He's, he's proven that uh, and, and shown that recently. Uh, and so I think you leave him in there. You don't platoon. You, you, Tyler Naquin's your right fielder when he comes back. Uh, and if you want to do any sort of platoon, uh, that's, that's going to be in left field. Maybe that's, you know, Zimmer or uh, Zimmer Luplo. And, and, and the, at that point, who knows? Yeah. So what about Luplo? Poor Luplo. Jeez, oh man. Oh, for gonna... the season, oh, for the season right now. <laughs> yeah, that is not good. And it, and, it, I mean, and he got to, you know, he's played in back-to-back -back games for the first time, I think, maybe the second time, these last two games. Hopefully that gets him going. I don't know if they'll run him back out there tonight. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's and, and Luis Castillo is not the uh, pitcher you want to be facing if you, if you want to yeah. get, out, get out of a slump. That's, uh, you know, don't be surprised if the Indians come out with, you know, two, three, four hits total tonight as well. Because that's a that that's an all star you know starter right there probably the best starter in the rotation for uh, for the Reds, uh, but yeah Jordan Luplo used to be if you if you were a left handed pitcher that was like waving a red flag in front of a uh, an angry bull for uh, for Jordan Luplo but that's not the case this year he doesn't have a hit and he's he he really was looking like he's searching at the plate and really guessing uh, some of his swings were just really bad last night. And they haven't really had a lot of lefties to face it, you know, for him to get right. hot with that. And so they're trying to do it the opposite way, you know, right on right. And so far the results have not been good. Well, that's the, that is a general statement for the entire Cleveland Indians offense at this point. Uh, hopefully things will get better as they, they head to Chicago this weekend. But first, uh, Carlos Carrasco is going to take on Luis Castillo uh, at, at the ballpark uh, tonight, 610 uh, first pitch. Uh, Honezy, what are you expecting out of Cookie tonight uh, against this Reds lineup? Uh, you know, I think he's been very consistent over his first two starts, Joe. One and one, three, seven, five, ERA, 12 innings, five earned runs, you know, lots of strikeouts, 15 Ks, two, only two walks, uh, 11 hits. I think, he's, I think he's been great, you know, especially, you know, a guy that really hasn't been in the rotation since – over you know over a year you know since May 30th was his last start last year then he had the diagnosis with uh, leukemia and uh, so I think he's come back I think he's bounced back he looks he looks good 
Yeah, that's the, that's the case. The only thing you got to worry about with Carrasco occasionally gives up the home run. Uh, like uh, like Bieber, like Clevenger, you know, these guys are around the plate so much. They're low walks. Uh, they, they, they will occasionally give up. Uh, as long as they're solo home runs, you ain't got to worry about it. But, you know, two, three solo home runs for Carrasco tonight, and that might be all that uh, all the Reds need uh, with, yeah. with Castillo going. So. And he has given up three home runs, three home runs in 12 innings. So, yeah, that's a, you know, that's a concern. But, like, as, as long as nobody's on base, you know, you're doing your job as a starting pitcher. I thought, you know, Carl Willis has really kind of pounded that home to the rotation, control what you can control, you know, the old cliché. And they seem to be doing a good job with that. All right, Hoinsey, we'll uh, look forward to your story from tonight's ball game as the Indians take on the Reds. Uh, last game in the battle for the Ohio Cup. And then it's off to Chicago for a weekend series against the White Sox. We'll t- uh, catch you later uh, tomorrow on the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. And uh, we'll see you then. All right, Joe.